How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, another uh, Major League Baseball game has been postponed. The San Francisco Giants and the L.A. Dodgers are the third Major League Baseball game to be canceled in the wake of the NBA players refusing to play after the fallout of the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Brewers and Cincinnati Reds did not take the field as as the uh, same with the Seattle Mariners and San Diego Padres. They did not take the field as well. And those obviously were uh, later games scheduled. The three NBA playoff games uh, that were scheduled in the Orlando bubble have been postponed as the NBA players have boycotted those games. And the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic were the first, followed by the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder, and then the LA Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers. So so just to back up a bit, the, the Bucks... As, as far as the NBA were concerned at the time, they went to the Magic and said, okay, well, in our, in our view, the Bucks have or just forfeited, and the Magic said, no, we don't accept that. So those games this afternoon were scheduled to be rescheduled. There's a meeting going on tonight within the bubble in Orlando, and there will be a special Board of Governors meeting tomorrow that has been scheduled by the NBA. So more boycotted games are coming tomorrow, I would imagine, including the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics who are supposed to begin their NBA, uh, their uh, Eastern Conference semifinals. So I don't know. Uh, there's uh, speculation that the season is is over or could be over, that the players are just going to decide just to leave the bu- bubble, and that's the best way that they can, they can, I guess, show their – support and show their uh, displeasure against uh, social injustice and racial injustice. Of course, uh, going back to the Jacob Blake shooting earlier this week, which uh, is horrific. The text line, we, you know, Reed, Reed always talks about having a, an intelligent conversation on the text line. Uh, we have some good texts. We have a lot that aren't even worth the time repeating. And that's just how it goes. But we do have games going on tonight. We got playoff games. Right now, the Lightning lead the Bruins 2-0 early in the second. Earlier today, the Philadelphia Flyers tied up their second-round series of the East uh, with a 4-3 win. A wild game as the Flyers were up 3-0. Islanders rallied back to tie it, sent it to overtime. And then Philip Myers scores his third of the postseason to uh, seal the win. And later on tonight, we are expecting this game to go. We haven't heard otherwise. Um, the uh, Dallas Stars playing game three of their second round Western Conference playoff series with the Colorado Avalanche, the Stars leading two games to none. Well, I'm uh, I'm the producer of this show and I'm guest hosting. My uh, guest is someone I know, my, my, my esteemed colleague, who I haven't seen for a long time, although we have kept in contact uh, since uh, the last time I actually saw him was March 13th, which is crazy to think about and, and to say, but uh, Brendan Escott, who is the producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, 
is guest hosting. And of course, you hear Brendan on with Jalen Nye as he's the afternoon sports anchor on 632 Afternoons. Uh, Brendan, the two producers are holding down the fort on the respective shows. Uh, that doesn't happen all the time, but hey, here we are. Do they equate that to the inmates running the asylum, Dave? I'm not sure. But I do know that I'm having a lot of fun from 12 to 2 this week, and I hope that uh, you feel the same about this block. It's it's fun to get in the sandbox, as they say, uh, you know, and it's fun to be a producer. It's fun to help create good content for the show and and to, and to support your host. But it's always fun to, to step in. Uh, to the host chair as well, or to sit in the host chair. Uh, and by the way, Mikhail Sergachev has just scored, so the Lightning are running away with this uh, 3-0 on the Boston Bruins. But you get a day like today, man, and uh, I know just after you got off the air today, that's when the news really started to uh, really surface about all all this, uh, the, the talk about the boycotts in the NBA bubble of the, of the three playoff games. Started with the Bucks and the Magic, then it, the, the ripple effects happened, and, they, and they, they've happened in other leagues as well. The NHL is still playing, and they're getting criticism. Um, man, it's been uh, it's been a wild day. What, what do you make of all of this? Uh, what do you make of uh, what went down in Orlando today? I think in the Canadian scene, we may have been a little bit more surprised by it than they were in the South, because as I was getting the updates from the internet and from our uh, our newswire and that sort of thing, these murmurings of boycotts had been going on over the course of the weekend since the, uh, the Jacob Blake shooting. And you said it, Dave. I mean, the footage of that is just frustrating and, and, and devastating to watch. And you understand... Um, why the players seem to feel a little bit trapped and hamstrung by being in the bubble right now. It just, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be able to show up to work and be in the office since March 13th. I know you're one of many people who hasn't. And I think that, you know, for these players being obligated to, to show up in the sense that if they don't, then they face, you know, the potential of ridicule for their teammates, from their teammates, I should say, or or from the all-too-quick-to-do-that-kind-of-thing Twitterverse. So I don't know that this is necessarily the right way of going about it, and I would say the same of the protests previously this summer. I also don't know how else they're supposed to enact any change, and when you're talking about a strong, um, you know, really brotherhood of black athletes in the NBA in particular, Dave, it's no surprise at all that they're doing this and they have my mm-hmm. support 100%. What I don't like to see is that people are saying, oh, well, the NHL just should in solidarity. And if they don't, then they're on the wrong side of this. That's not fair either. This is for, you know, if they want to fine, but you can't scrutinize them for not, uh, you know, following the lead. This is a very big, impactful time in sports, and there's a lot of moving pieces. And I think you answered my next next question because I was going to ask you: should should the NHL be playing? Should Major League Baseball be playing? Should any sport be playing today? And I'm with you, where I don't think it's a cut and dried answer, and I don't think the NHL statement. I don't know if you've read it, but it was it was. If you haven't, go go read it after we're done here, or if you can find it while we're we're talking here. Uh, it was a it was a very flimsy statement from the NHL, but the fact that they're playing, I don't find that offensive at all. And they have made a lot of statement. They've made a powerful statement. I referenced Matt Dumba before the, the, the Oilers and Hawks and, and, and the statement he made and, and kneeling for the American Anthem and, uh, and JT Brown's statement uh, before uh, before the wild games, uh, the, the wild and, and, and Canucks games, uh, I think in game one. Uh, but to me, I just, I don't think you have to do the same thing as the NBA. And I think you got to understand 
the NBA is a lot different than the NHL, but the NHL can still stand with the NBA and play games. It's it it, it seems unbalanced, but it just it just to me, why does the playing field have to be level? Why does everyone have to stop playing here? And yet, it, it's almost like the message is, oh, like you said, the NHL is not playing. Well, they don't they don't support this. Of course they do, but at the same time, the issues are a lot different from the NHL to the NBA as far as, you know, you, you look at who the players are. And the NBA have been leaders big time in, in efforts against racial and social injustice. They've also been leaders in terms of marketing and branding their players way better than the NHL does the people yep. of. I'm sorry to say that, but that's just a fact, you know. And, and so should is a very difficult word in this scenario dave and not to get too you know up on a pedestal here or whatever but it's just because of the individuality of these situations i think that you need to just respect whatever the choice is if that is to not play you respect it because in all honesty like why the, the reason dave that i think that the nba is pulling out i mean their owners their owners are very well-off people with very deep political influence, as I understand it. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not unlike a union to walk off the job a day of. I haven't seen anything like this, but this year has been anything but the norm. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that I'm surprised. Um, I don't think that this would have been the case if there wasn't a, a serious um, sort of reversion back to the norm very shortly after the George Floyd stuff started to die down as we knew that it would, you know, and here we are again with another thing that's ignited the flame. It's it's election season, as we know, and it's as much as we like to try and, and avoid investing in something as messy as that is south of the border right now, you almost can't help but avoid it, and particularly when you're talking about professional sports. So I think the biggest thing for people to understand, and I can only imagine what you were referencing on that text line when you've got people, uh, you know, probably talking about spoiled athletes who should just shut up and collect their paycheck because that's what they're supposed to do. Um, That's really unfair, and you cannot make that judgment for somebody that's 3,000 kilometers and really a lifetime away. Yeah, the best response I have seen, the best, and I put best in quotations because it wasn't very good at all. But, uh, you know, I was I was reading, I was at a medical appointment today and I was, I was just, you know, Twitter was just a magnet today for me and like a lot of people about about this NBA, uh, this NBA boycotts. And, and, and one point I actually looked at one of the replies from, from, uh, from a reporter's tweet and, and this just, just encapsulates, I think, people's selfishness. You are there to play for me. So the fact that you're not there to play for me means I'm walking away from the NBA forever. How dare you step away from a sport that I'm watching that that, that has come back after a, a, an absence? And I'm going, holy smokes. Like, oh, wow. and, and unfortunately, there are people that, that think that. Like, the, the players are there at our mercy, and, and you do what we want. But... Uh, you know what? Uh, like Nick Lewis said, I don't know if you heard Nick Lewis last half hour, but he said, you know, sports is sports is a privilege, and we all love sports. But the NBA players have decided to sacrifice money for for a very important cause here. And you know, when I go back to the functional society, we do not have a functional society right now, and sports is a part of a functional society. And you know, I'm not suggesting that we're never going to see sports again now because of because of racism, but uh, 
what the NBA did today was basically say, the heck with the money. We're, we're making a statement right now because what else are we going to do? That's exactly right. And I'll, I'll reference one thing that I just thought was my worst take of the day. And this is also coming from a reporter. It says boycotting your own business is next level fascinating. That's what the NBA is doing. They are partners with the owners and share half of all league revenue, as you just referenced. A boycott makes no sense. It just hurts them. It's cutting off your nose to spite your face. This has absolutely nothing to do with money. This has everything to do with what they were saying two months ago that has not been heard or addressed enough mm-hmm. outside of the context of basketball. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and picket reasons why that's been the case, but bottom line is they wanted to see change. They have done everything that they can with as strong of, you know, people of color represented in that sport as they are in as high percentage as they are. They've got their, they've got what they wanted originally, and that was a little more showcasing of Black Lives Matter, making it more culturally um, common, making it, making it normal. And then they decided it wasn't enough. And Dave, if somebody got gunned down in the streets in the back seven times by a police officer in front of his three children, then what they were trying before didn't work. You know, so this mm-hmm. is the next step that that wasn't taken. Um, you know, if you're going to call chicken and egg here, I think that the NBA is reacting, not being proactive. I think they're reacting to a lack of, of response from what they had originally been aiming for. Yeah, and I think the as we're joined by Brendan Escott here on 630 Chet Inside Sports, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, the ownership group came out with with a very supportive statement of the players they said we didn't know they were going to do this but that doesn't matter to us we stand with them and we agree with them and uh, i think the nba gets it where um and i'm not saying the nhl doesn't get it but i think the nhl and the nba are far different as far as um you know the the athletes and the nfl is not very far removed from the nba but the difference with the nfl is you got a lot of owners that just don't get it jerry jones as i clear my throat so you know i mean heck jerry jones thinks he can fill his stadium for the nfl season that's how out of touch he is and i think that in you know just with with respect to that it's almost like there's an issue of class at hand here too when you see the entitlement of you know the the people who are saying shut up and play basketball because that's what i like watching you do and you get paid a lot of money to do it or from the owner's perspective i pay you a lot of money to do it you know we'll take on this risk it's all fugazi anyway like there's too many people basing um very wide-reaching choices off of opinion rather than fact and and to me that's dangerous and it's also not limited to the sports world either so you know trying times um they gave it a really good shot one thing you have to give nba credit for leading up to this point dave is how solid that bubble in orlando was after some initial roadblocks so you know they they did well in that the players were able to keep playing and and trying to um sort of give some people some sort of some semblance of normal as we referenced before and it just doesn't look like it's going to work and i think that it's going to be more impactful in the message that they're trying to make if they band together and say maybe this just isn't the year for us and imagine the impact that that would have speaking volumes financially as well so we'll see how far this goes but i'm not going to pretend that i dislike what i'm seeing if this is what it takes to enact change um i'm okay with it yeah, for sure. I got to ask you a hockey question just because 
I mean, we're going to switch gears after uh, 7.30. We're going to be joined by Chris King of the New York Islanders, a play-by-play voice for Hoster University. Uh, anything in this second round that has really uh, come to the forefront for you uh, as we uh, roll along here? I know it's still kind of the early going. We're getting to some game threes here. But uh, uh, what's really come uh, to the forefront for you in round two? I mean, is it too obvious to talk about the breakout of Merrill Haskinen on Dallas's back end? It's It's been Amazing. phenomenal, Dave, and I know he was the third overall pick a couple seasons back. He was supposed to be this good. I just don't think it was supposed to happen in this playoffs, and frankly, they've really needed a boost from him, not only offensively, where Dallas's defense has scored up over 30 points, and Haskinen's responsible for nearly half of that. I think he's got 14 in the playoffs alone here, so... You know, they, without Ben Bishop in their lineup, they need the team playing very well in front of them. And Haskinen's been a huge part of that on the back end. Also, elevating the play of Jamie Alexiak, who at one point was kind of essentially a castaway. Um, they've been flip-flopped back and forth for like a fourth-round pick between uh, Pittsburgh and Dallas. And now Alexiak back in, in the Lone Star State and doing great in, in an enhanced role for Dallas. So that's certainly been one thing that I've noticed. And uh, I've just had so much fun, Dave, watching this Vegas and, and Canucks couple of games. It was it was fascinating watching the Canucks get into this second round in the first place. They've got so much excitement on their team, um, so much flair, so much buzz, and then they just kind of got hit. Like, they, they drove straight into a concrete wall in the way of the Vegas Golden Knights in game one, and you were watching Ryan Reeves do his thing and take over that game, both intimidation-wise and then, uh, you know, in terms of the hits that he was doling out. He and Will Terrier combined for... 20 between the two of them in the first game alone. So what was the adjustment going to be? Well, last night we found out that Travis Green is definitely worth his weight and salt behind the bench for Vancouver. So that's another storyline for me, watching how Vancouver adapted. They, they switched it around, Dave, and they really played Canucks hockey in game two, which they could not get a grasp on in game one. I'm hoping that the lone Canadian team, and I know I've been uh, exposing myself to a little bit of scrutiny here in oil country, but I hope <laughs> that the Canadian team makes it as far as possible. I'm rooting hard for the Canucks. Well, from a media perspective, I, I know there's people that don't subscribe to the, the, the lone Canadian team or Canada's hopes hinge on. I know from a media perspective, uh, it, is, it is a huge thing if a Canadian team goes as far as possible, even to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, deep down, we kind of root for that, even though, yeah, like we know where we live and, you know, the Canucks, you know, they can rot. But, you know, in this case... <laughs> Hey, if you want to go as far as you want to go, we'll, we'll accept that as well. So, <laughs> so listen, man, I, anyway, I Brendan, since I, I, just to quickly wrap up, I still haven't yeah. taken a breath on earth, Dave, with a Canadian Stanley Cup champion. I've not taken a breath on earth in my 25 going on 26 years here in this case. So we need to buck that trend. I don't think the Canucks have the horses to do it quite yet, but they're sure making a, a fun run of it right now. Buddy, it's great to chat with you again. And uh, you got two days left in the host chair on Oilers now, as I got two days left after tonight as well. So, uh, hey, let's have fun, man. There's nothing like hosting a show. Absolutely, Dave. Enjoy your time. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Uh, Brendan Escott, the producer of Oilers Now and the guest host this week as uh, Bob's taking uh, uh, this week off and also the afternoon sports anchor on... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 6.30, Chad, afternoons. All right, let's update the uh, one game going on right now in Toronto. The Tampa Bay Lightning now up 4-1 to one on the Boston Bruins. Brad Marchand scored his seventh goal of the playoffs. He scored three goals now in the last two games. And, of course, this game not completed. Alex Kalorn has restored the three-goal lead with his third goal of the postseason. It is 4-1 Tampa Bay over the Boston Bruins midway through the second period. Lightning trying to take a two games to one lead in this series. Still to come tonight here in Edmonton, the Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche will play game three of their series. Stars leading their second round Western Conference playoff series, two games to none. Earlier today, Philadelphia Flyers in a wild game beat the New York Islanders 4-3 in overtime. We will talk with Chris King, the voice of the Islanders for Hofstra University coming up. After the news break on 630 Chet Inside Sports, it's Campbell in for Wilkins. Campbell and for Reed Wilkins this week on 6.30. Chad, Inside Sports tomorrow will be joined by Kelly Rudy, analyst for the NHL on Rogers, who made a powerful statement today on the Sportsnet broadcast for the uh, Lightning Bruins game, saying we just we shouldn't be here tonight. Should have postponed the games. So, um, you know, we'll ex- extrapolate that more with, uh, with Kelly tomorrow and obviously talk about the games. Uh, by the way, as I mentioned, 4-1 Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins getting to about the uh, six-minute or 14-minute mark of the second period. So Dan Vladder is now in net for the Boston Bruins. He's the first goalie to make his NHL debut in the playoffs since Jake Allen did it with the St. Louis Blues April 30th, 2012. In fact, he's the first netminder in Bruins history to make his NHL debut in the postseason. Still to come here. And it does look like this game will be played. Dallas Stars uh, looking for the 3-0 series lead on the Colorado Avalanche. That game getting underway here 8-30 uh, in the bubble in Edmonton. And earlier today, a wild game. The Flyers built a 3-0 lead. The Islanders tied it up. But at the end of the day, the last laugh, Philadelphia Flyers win it in OT. Here's Barzell in the right circle to Lee in the left. Shoots and scores! The captain buries the feed from Barzy. It's now 3-0 Islanders! So that was the uh, call from Chris King uh, from Hofstra University, the play-by-play voice of the uh, New York Islanders joins us now. It's uh, late where you are, uh, Chris, so thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? Good, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, what a wild hockey game where the, the Flyers were really good early. The Islanders rallied and unfortunately did not win the game in overtime. But uh, I guess first, let's just start. 3 nothing Flyers. What was uh, what was going on there? 
Uh, what was going on there were just defensive breakdowns by the Islanders, honestly. I mean, uh, the Kevin Hayes first goal was a three-on-two. The Kevin Hayes second goal was a two-on-one. And the Couturier goal, he just completely undressed Nick Letty and got in alone. So, uh, really, you know, those are miscues by the defense. And, you know, Barry Trott says he was not pinning it on Semyon Varlamov, who had been incredible in the postseason. Uh, literally number one in the NHL in goals against average and save percentage, tied for first in wins coming in. And uh, actually, earlier in that first period, broke a franchise record uh, held by Billy Smith, the Hall of Famer for the longest shutout sequence in right. Islander history. And then, boom, you know, three goals in a span of 13 minutes, and he didn't even make it to intermission. So, yeah, wild stuff in that first period. But, you know, to Barry's credit, he said he made the switch to Thomas Grice to spark his club, and obviously it worked as the Islanders rallied, you know, to score three times in the next two periods, at least to get it to overtime. You know, I think today as well, even though it was a loss for the Islanders and the series is now tied at uh, one, is game three tomorrow, by the way? Yeah, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, so they don't have uh, much time to think about it, which I think is a good thing from the Islanders' side of it. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, I think the Islanders busted some myths here today, too, because, you know, I know that they've been talked about under Barry Trotz. They like to play low-event hockey, and they're a very stingy defensive team. But if you look on the flip side, as stingy as they are defensively, they are just as explosive offensively, and we saw it today. But maybe just go into that how, you know, this is not just a defensive structured team. They can get after you. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at some of their wins, you know, two of their wins in the Florida series, they scored four and five goals. In the Washington series, they had two four-goal games and a five-goal game. In the first game of this series, they scored four, and today they had three and, and lost by a goal. So um, there is a lot of notoriety to, to what Barry has done defensively, and with good reason. I mean, when Barry arrived uh, the season before under Doug Waite, the Islanders had given up the most goals against in the National Hockey League, and in Barry's first season, they gave up the fewest in the National Hockey League, and that was something that hadn't happened in the NHL in over 100 years and a big reason why Barry won the Jack Adams as, as coach of the year in his first season behind the bench. So, you know, defensively, the Islanders have done an unbelievable job. I mean, going into today's game, Dave, they'd allowed seven even strength goals total in the 10 games they had played. So uh, this really was the anomaly to see the Flyers not only get three, but to get all three at even strength uh, because of, you know, how strong that defensive system is that, that Barry Trotz has employed in his two years behind the bench. Uh, update in uh, Toronto, Braden Point one for the Tampa Bay Lightning, his sixth goal of the postseason. So the Lightning cruising here in game three is uh, looks like they are well on their way, taking a two games to one lead in their second round Eastern Conference playoff series with the Boston Bruins. Talking with Chris King, uh, radio play-by-play -play voice for uh, the New York Islanders for Hofstra University uh, Radio. Joining us here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Uh, Flyers winning 4-3 today in overtime to tie that series at one. Game three is tomorrow in uh, Toronto. Uh, Jordan Eberle is uh, a player that I think Oilers fans are now missing. And I know in 2017, he, he did not make a lot of fans very happy. And I don't think he made his own organization very happy. But it's uh, clear a lot of Oilers fans are saying Peter Shirelli made a huge mistake by trading him so quickly. Uh, tell me about the fit with, uh, I know Anders Lee is on that line, but uh, the fit with Everly and Matt Barzell. Yeah, it's been a really good fit. You know, they've been the line really that has carried them, you know, through most of the last two regular seasons, actually. And um, and this year in the playoffs, the second line is, is kind of uh, surpassed them a little bit, certainly in points, which is Brock Nelson between Anthony Beauvillier and Josh Bailey. But, uh, you know, you go back to last year's playoffs, and, and Jordan Everly said, look, he remembered what he did as an Oiler in the postseason. That one year he played 13 games, had no goals and two assists, and wanted to be a much better playoff performer. Well, the Islanders sweep the Penguins in the first round, and he scores in every single game, all four 
four of them. And then although they got swept in the second round by Carolina, he piled up the assists, and he ended up being the Islanders' leading scorer in the postseason last year with nine points in the eight games. So, you know, this year he's been a little slower so far, but he did have a two-goal game in the game two win over Florida. He also had a goal in the uh, Washington series in the opening game there. And, uh, again, just does a real nice job of being a smart hockey player and, you know, try to get it to Matt Barzell, who creates with his speed, and Anders Lee is just one of the best net front guys in the National Hockey League. Uh, so he positions himself in front and picks up a lot of goals on those deflections, rebounds, screens, that type of stuff. So, again, to me, Dave, it's just that the three players are so different. They complement each other very well, and, yeah. and Everly really has been a lock on that top line uh, playing with those two. Yeah, when I look at Everly playing now compared to his Oiler days, and he was more relied upon as an offensive threat with the likes of Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, but when I look at him now, I say that is a three-zone player, not just a guy that is just going on the offense. I agree. I absolutely agree. And, you know, that's Barry Trotz because you can't just be, you know, an attacking zone player. And Matt Barzell has learned that the hard way. You know, he's literally been benched at times by Barry Trotz because of his, you know, lack of play in the neutral zone and, and back in his own end. So I think, you know, Jordan will tell you he's a more complete player. He really enjoys playing that system that, that Barry employs. And he just loves playing with a guy like Matt Barzell, who's one of the most electrifying players in the National Hockey League, and Anders Lee, who's, you know, a terrific captain as well. So I think we've seen, you know, the, the growth and maturity of Jordan Everly certainly uh, in just his two-plus seasons now as a New York Islander. All right. Tell me about life as a local broadcaster for your hockey team, and you can't be at the rink. Uh, what, what, what's your setup right now as, as far as calling games uh, for, for the New York Islanders? Yeah, it's a little complicated, Dave. <laughs> I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, for those who don't follow it closely, right now the home of the New York Islanders, their longtime home, Nassau Coliseum, has been shuttered. Uh, there is a deal to reopen it in the works, and the Islanders do expect to play their final season there. So that really wasn't an option for us, and we wouldn't have gone there even if it was open. Of course, Brooklyn is in the past now. The Islanders intend to play no more games at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, so that really wasn't an option for us. But honestly, our decision was made based on where the majority of our equipment is and the setup would be for us and yeah. that's at our flagship station which is WRHU Hofstra University and that's right across the street from the Coliseum so for me the ride is almost exactly the same from home instead of turning right into the Coliseum parking lot I turn left into the Hofstra University parking lot and we have a nice setup a huge room in like a middle studio with uh, studios on each side of us that are sending the feed out to ESPN radio and a Suffolk County affiliate and NHL.com and you know Sirius XM satellite radio it all emanates from that space and we have two you know large 55 inch television Visions that uh, that serve as our game, you know. So that's what I'm watching when I'm calling the game one, which is what we call the clean feed, which is just giving me everything happening in the game, and the dirty feed, which is to my right, is the one that has the score bug that gives me the time and the score and the shots and the penalties and those type of things. So it is a challenge at times, you know, trying to see especially things that occur away from the play, which as a play-by-play -play guy in the rink, you know, you're watching all the time. But obviously, I'm limited to, to, to talk about just what the camera shows me, and you know, we've had some instances already, and a perfect example is that the first game of the series uh, against the Flyers, you know, the Islanders are up 3-0. There's eight minutes to go in the game. Uh, the camera's mm -hmm. showing an offensive zone draw for Philadelphia. We don't know that Elaine Vigneault has pulled Carter Hart with eight minutes to go in the game, and I'm just calling, you know, what I think is an Islander dump down, and it ends up in the empty right. net. But, of course, no one knew they had pulled the netminder. So that's a kind of a typical example of how, you know, I'm only limited to what the camera shows me, and things at the other end of the ice can be important, too, like a goalie being pulled that you just can't see. Yeah, it, you know, the thing is, too, Chris, and, and we've had a few play-by-play -play voices on the show uh, since the since the restart, and 
what is neat, even though it, it is a very challenging exercise, and I don't know if people at home really understand what it's like to be at the stadium or at the arena live compared to being confined into a studio or into a you know an arena space or whatever is just you you just don't have the full sense of the of the uh, the playing area. But uh, we're all in the same boat, and that's what I think is is really the story here and it's been neat and the NHL's done a great job uh, with the world feed and the effects. I mean, uh, it's, it was weird for us, Chris, that we're here in Edmonton and we're calling games from our, from our radio station here right. at six thirty, Chad. And <laughs> we're like 15 minutes away from Rogers place. It, it was really bizarre, but that's just the way it is. But at least, at least we got hockey back on and because uh, we really missed it for four and a half months. And uh, Hey, well, I think we'll all take this right now. <laughs> Absolutely, Dave. And you hit the nail on the head. Kudos to the NHL because of the sound mix is so good between the ice effects and the crowd noise and the, the goal horns going off and the refs mic. I mean, they really do, you know, provide that beautiful audio bed where, you know, when I tell friends and family that, you know, I'm home calling these games, most of them don't even realize that I'm not, I'm not up in Toronto. So that's a kudos to the NHL. But as you said, for a play-by-play broadcaster at the arena, I'm watching so many things away from the puck. I'm watching the benches for line change. I'm watching... The the trailer joining a two-on-one rush. I'm watching the trail referee make a call, which happens all the time now. We just hear a whistle out of the blue. We don't know why. It's the trail referee calling a penalty. So all those little things that, you know, I can yeah. easily see and, and a goaltender being pulled, the best example, in the arena, I can't see it all when I'm limited to just the main camera's view uh, on the 55-inch television in front of me. Great stuff. Well, uh, your series is a doozy so far, and we're just two games in. Game three is tomorrow. Series tied at one. Chris, as always, we love having you on the show. Uh, Take care, okay, and all the best uh, down the road, and enjoy the rest of the uh, NHL restart. Thanks so much, Dave. I always love talking hockey with you, and uh, one of my favorite cities is Edmonton, so enjoy the hockey up there. You, you, you bet. Thank you so much. Chris Kerber, the voice of the New York Islanders on Hofstra University Radio in New York. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers win 4-3 in overtime. Philip Myers with the winner in OT to tie that series up at one. And Alex Kaloran has just scored his second goal of the game, fourth of the playoffs, 6-1 to one late in the second period uh, over the Boston Bruins. Lightning well on their way to a 2-1. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild series lead back to wrap in a moment Camelin for Reed Wilkins tonight on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports after two periods of play in Toronto. The Lightning well out in front, 6-1 in game three and cruising to a 2-1 series lead. I got my play-by-play voices uh, mixed up, Kellen. You told me. You did. Oh. oh, boy. Okay, so Chris Kerber. I, what did is... I say? 
Uh, You said Chris Kerber. He is, of course, the Uh, voice of the, uh, well, they're still defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, even though they're knocked out now at this point. We'll have a new champion uh, this year. I believe he works with, what is it, KMOX in St. Louis is the station has the the rights? Yeah. We've had him on anyway in the past. Great guy. Awesome guy. Uh, And, of course, Chris King, the voice, the play-by-play voice for the New York Islanders. Uh, for um, Hofstra University Radio in uh, Long Island, which um, I didn't get a chance to go over and visit when I was down there, but uh, I know a couple of people who live over there, and it's a real nice place from their pictures and that stuff on their social media. So <laughs> it's it's been a it's been a night, man. It's been a day. So, uh, but you're you're always great at keeping me honest, and hey, we I, love Chris Kerber and I we love Chris King. Yeah. They're both great guys. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Just, that's the moral of the story. Is I, I don't think there is a egotistical hockey announcer out there. I can't say that about other sports, but out of everybody yeah. that we brought in on the hockey side or on the football side, I'd, like, I, I'd sit down and have a, a couple of uh, pops, as we say, <laughs> you know, uh, with well, them any day of the week, I guess. So. I'll tell a quick story here. Uh, oh. Dave Mishkin, who who we just had on about uh, what about ten days ago, um, from the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, radio network. Mm-hmm. I messaged him on uh, the day after the five overtime game, and and he got back to me right away and said, "Dave, I'm I'm spent." And of course, we had him on the air. He talked about how that was a long game, and his uh, his voice recovered actually pretty well, but he was just really tired. And then he said. Uh, give me a shout after a game that ends in regulation. And that's why we had him on after, I believe, game two um, <laughs> on, a, on a Friday about 10 days ago. So mm-hmm. um, these these are very good guys. I mean, they they I think everyone that's in the position of a play-by-play man is, uh, is very blessed. But, uh, yeah, the uh, NHL play-by-play voices, uh, we rarely get a no. Let's just say that. Well, I'm, so bi- if we- yeah, I'm biased, of course, but I get a chance to work with uh, two of the best in two sports here at this station, of course, uh, uh, your cohort, your colleague, your uh, partner in crime, mm-hmm. if you will, f- for double uh, E football, Mr. Morley Scott, and, uh, of course, on the Oilers Radio Network with uh, Jack Michaels. You got it. Absolutely. Two of the best for sure. So it, it's been quite the day. Uh, down at the NBA bubble in Orlando, three games were postponed because of uh, the players boycotting uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, started the ball rolling with the Orlando Magic. Of course, this has to do with the uh, the shooting of Jacob Blake earlier in Wisconsin uh, this week. And then the uh, Houston Rockets, Portland Trailways, or sorry, uh, Houston Rockets, Oklahoma City Thunder game was canceled along with the LA Lakers, Portland Trailblazers. Three Major League Baseball games have been canceled. The Milwaukee Brewers, Cincinnati Reds, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, and the uh, San Francisco Giants and the LA Dodgers. This is what Major League Baseball had to say. Uh, Given the pain in the communities of Wisconsin and beyond following the shooting of Jacob Blake, we respect the decisions of a number of players not to play tonight. Major League Baseball remains united for change in our society and will be allies to fight to end racism and injustice. That statement to me is is bang on a lot better than what the NHL put out there. And look, I don't mind that the Major League Baseball teams, there's teams that are playing and that the NHL is playing. um, But MLB just stood beside their NBA uh, partners, NBA players tonight. And I think that's a very powerful statement from a league that really hasn't won the PR battle very well, you know, with their restart and whatnot. Um, Arms War said, uh, it says on the text line, if you're a cop, your job is to be just and smart. You can be 
You can't be racist. You can't be dumb. If you're either of these things, you can't be a cop, period. It's the only text I feel worthy reading tonight because the rest of them are quite honestly completely ignorant. A lot of people need to do some soul searching. And I'm not apologizing off of that point at all. I'm not doing it. Uh, the NHL has stripped the Arizona Coyotes of two high draft picks for violating the league's scouting combine testing policy. The Coyotes lose their second round pick this year, first round next year. Commissioner Gary Bettman determined the organization conducted physical testing of 2020 draft eligible, uh, eligible players outside of the combine. Montreal Canadiens head coach Cole Julien says he's back to full strength after having a stent installed in a coronary artery in Toronto during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Julien told reporters today that he did not suffer a heart attack. He would have been able to return to work if the Canadians advanced to the second round of the playoffs. Toronto Blue Jays win 9-1 today over the Boston Red Sox. They had to have a bullpen day because uh, they have three starting pitchers that are on the injured list, Nate Pearson, Matt Schumacher, and Trent Thornton. And the uh, no word further on what's going to happen with the NBA, and there's a good chance that they're just not going to play. Uh, I don't think the bubble life has been a joyous experience for the NBA players. It has been a lot different in the National Hockey League. I think the players uh, have enjoyed the bubble. The NBA players have not. And you know what? If the NBA players want to make this statement, let them. And I think the other leagues can keep playing and stand with them. Does the NHL have work to do? With their, uh, with their stance on social and racial injustice? Yep, they do. But I also think they can keep playing. They got people within the, the league that can be a strong voice and you can still play. So, 4-3, the Flyers over the Islanders in game three of their, or game two of their second round Eastern Conference playoff series. That is tied at one. Lightning 6-1 over the Boston Bruins. And that's in game, that's game three. Lightning cruising to a 2-1 uh, series lead. Still to come, Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche game three with the Stars leading two games to none. That game getting underway here in Edmonton just after 8.30. Tomorrow we got Kelly Rudy. And we'll also have a former coach of Alfonso Davies. Looking forward to that as well. Alfonso Davies with Bayern Munich won the Champions League. For studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Dave Campbell. Adler's up next. And time for me to go upstairs, tuck my kids to bed, kiss them goodnight. And you have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.